welcome. And uh, I want to thank you folks here at, uh, of course, at uh, Baker River to allowing us to have our vacation Bible school here this week. And uh, we are looking forward to it. And it's uh, much different. Uh, for those of you who don't know our history, we've been renting uh, down in this Plymouth in the Senior Center for the last nine years. And because of the COVID virus, uh, they asked us to vacate so we wouldn't infect any of the seniors who were there. Uh, of course, then the seniors stopped coming. <laughs> but uh, so we are very thankful for Steve and for Ken for letting us to come and kind of park here for a while until the Lord brings us back. And uh, of course, we're, our, our new church property is still uh, on, on track and on schedule. We've got it cleared now and uh, have grass planted, except the grass didn't grow. But uh, uh, we had a, g- a good time putting the grass out there, <laughs> seed out there. But looking forward to where to grow one these days. But, forward to how God will use that facility eventually in the future. But again, we thank you for this time frame. And uh, if you have any kids who are in, in the area, unfortunately, you guys missed vacation Bible school this morning. and Sunday school this morning, we did uh, our first day of vacation Bible school, actually. Our puppets are out here. And, uh, but you'll, uh, if you want to come back at 1.30, we'll do it all over again. <laughs> then for our, for our church service at 2.30 this afternoon. So. But if you take your Bible, please, to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I think this is a little bit loud. Uh, it's, I hear it ringing a little bit up here. So you want to turn it down just a little bit. Does that sound better to you? All right. All right, thank you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, hath shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the time you've given to us here this afternoon. Thank you for your word. And we thank you for the treasure that you have placed in our hearts, those of us who know Christ as Savior. But Lord, help us to be the right kind of earthen vessels that you'd have us to be so that we can properly carry the treasure you've given to us. And we'll pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Now, before I go any further, I should know you folks back here. Do I know you at all? Okay. They were at the wedding yesterday. Okay, I, okay. Okay. Oh, okay, Haiti, okay. Yeah, it looked, looked familiar for some reason, and then I, I thought maybe I should know you, but, but uh, good to have met you now. <laughs> we'll meet you afterwards. So uh, we have, I have some friends that uh, were, uh, when I was at church in, in, in Virginia, we had a lady who, who was a, a missionary in Haiti for years and years. So, but that has been, that's 30 years ago. She probably was gone a long time ago, but uh, always always heard about the missionary and the ministry there in Haiti and how, what, what struggles they had. And so I'm sure you could use some prayer, I'm sure, <laughs> especially with all of what's going on today. <laughs> this is 2020, right? <laughs> all right. As I was a kid, I, I loved Cracker Jacks, not necessarily because I loved popcorn and caramel, because there was always a prize inside. And we would always fight, because there were four of us kids in the family, and usually, you know, my dad would buy us one, and we would fight who, who would get the prize out of the box. And we would kind of pour out a little bit, and then whoever the you know, prize poured out got the prize. And so we were always playing, playing, playing games who could get the prize. 
or else we went to the grocery store and we would see the cereal aisle and we would always ask mom to choose the cereal that had the surprise inside or the, the, the gift inside. Uh, we always liked those kind of gifts. Well, God has put something even more special inside of us as believers in Christ. Uh, it's greater than any prize in any popcorn box. It's a treasure that he has given to us to be used and to be shared. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, as our scripture says. Of course, what is the treasure? Today's emphasis is going to be more on the vessel than the treasure. But we do have this very special treasure. Uh, I believe it's mentioned to us in these verses we just read, in verses 4 and 5 and 6. I believe it refers to the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's also, if you go back to verse 3 and 4, it mentions about the light of the gospel of Christ. Uh, one writer has said this, The true treasure is the, glory, is, is the glory of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as presented and proclaimed by the gospel. Uh, so we have this treasure, the treasure of God's word, and of course the treasure of his person, Jesus Christ, living in us, and the glory of Christ that lives in our heart and lives. So as our text says, we are just earthen vessels, though, or jars of clay, to be used at the personal disposal of the Lord. He is the one responsible for the treasure. He places it within us. So we are the ones who will not receive the glory. The glory goes to Him and not to us. The question is, what kind of earthen vessels are we? And is God concerned about the kind of vessel He puts His treasure in? I think the answer to that question is clearly yes. So we're going to see, first of all, the description of the jars. Uh, We see, what are the jars made of? Of course, it says they are made of earth. They're jars of clay. Uh, Of course, clay in the Old Testament times was a a difficult thing to come by. Um, In in our area, and if you want to go to the clay pottery place down in Plymouth, they have a nice place where you can do clay work. Uh, They'll cut you off a big slab of clay, throw it on your wheel, and you get to play with it. Um, but back in those days, there was a great deal of work had to go into getting the clay prepared just to be used. They would uh, go out to a, an area of ground, which was new as kind of clay in the ground, and they would, they would bring it out to a field, probably they call it the potter's field, while well, they call it the potter's field. They would let it lay out for a, for a number of weeks. Then they would take that clay and they would put it into a big vat of water and let it sit for a couple more weeks until all that clay had been permeated by the water and softened. And then they would um, stir it uh, so it would become a a clay, kind of clay syrup. Uh, And then they would kind of let the rocks settle to the bottom and pour out this water with the clay in it. Then they would let that sit for another longer period of time until the clay would settle to the bottom of that. And then they would pour off just the water and leave the clay. And then they would, as the scripture tells you, would tread the clay. They would take their bare feet and they would you know, slosh in the clay to, to really stir it together and to become, bring it to a, a perfect plasticity. And then they would take that clay and set it out for six months for it to set out, for it to be prepared before they could even begin to make a pot. So it would be almost a, a year would take to prepare the, the clay to use to make pots. Uh, it reminds me, of course, of the, the care of the Lord Jesus Christ and the time he takes with us to prepare us to be the kind of clay pots he wants us to be. So we see the makeup, we also see the makeup of the jars. Yeah, this is clay. 
then there was the making of the pots. Again, this was another long process. Uh, I, I, have you ever tried putting clay on a wheel and making a pot out of it? It looks so easy when you see it done by professionals. Um, I took my daughter down to Sunapee uh, to the art thing in August a couple years ago, and uh, they had a little uh, a kid's place where they could play with clay. And uh, we paid $10, and they got a lump of clay, and they got to put it on a wheel, and they're trying to make a pot with it. And, of course, the, the people who were there helping them would just you know, put their fingers in there, and that clay would just come out a little, nice little pot. And so my daughter would try it, and if you don't hold it just right, all of a sudden, one move will cause the pot just to be, all of a sudden be mangled and be totally, totally worthless. Well, I, I decided to buy my daughter a little clay plastic kit and had a little you know, battery motor and I got some clay and, and I thought, well, I'd try this myself. I, I bet it's really easier. I know my daughter couldn't do it. She's only 10, uh, but you know, I could do it. And so I put that clay on the pot and turned put the wheel on it. I discovered right away that was very, very difficult. It wasn't, it was, it takes a skilled person to make a clay pot. But in the Old Testament days, they didn't have the motors and all the, the rigmarole fancy things we have today. Uh, basically, it was like a wooden slab on the top and with, a, with a, a metal or a wooden post that would go into the ground, kind of a socket that would, that would allow the, uh, the thing to spin. And at the bottom, there was a, another round rock at the bottom, at the ground level, so that when the potter would lean over the, the, the round place where he had put the clay, uh, he could use his foot to uh, spin it with his foot. While he had one foot on the ground, the other foot would spin. Uh, so it was a, 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 a full body workout <laughs> uh, just to get the clay to spin fast enough where he could make again, a pot to come uh, make a clay pot. And so there was the making of the pot. Of course, it takes the potter's work. He had to work a great deal of time to get the clay ready, to get his wheel ready, to get the wheel spinning. And of course, it took a great deal of care in his part. Uh, we know that 1 Peter 5, 7 says we are to cast all of our, our anxieties or all of our care upon him, for he cares for us. So we are those pots, those clay pots, those vessels that God is spending a great deal of time on uh, to prepare us to hold the treasure that he wants us to have. But there are limits to those vessels, limits to those jars. See, earthen pots are fragile. Of course, that's contrasting with the eternal treasure that God wants us to, or the eternal treasure that God wants to place into those jars. We're just temporary. Our lives are short, uh, as James tells us. Uh, and any place you've been to where they they fire, you know, pots. Uh, I you know I took my grandkids down to Sunapee last year, and I had all of them make something of, out of clay and. Uh, and I found out there was a place in Plymouth that would actually has a fire. We, we fire it for you and burn it to harden it. So I took them down to that shop and I paid them some money to burn them for me. And I noticed that behind their shop there was just a pile of shards, a pile of broken pots. And I found out why. Uh, when you take that uh, little clay thing and you put it into the fire at 500 or more degrees, almost 2,000 degrees they put those things, that if there's any air bubbles at all inside of that clay, that air will expand and just explode. Uh, 
And I could imagine in the Old Testament days, these, these clay pots, they would, make, they would set them out to dry, then we'd put them into these you know, old-fashioned you know, kilns and fires and try to burn them to the right temperature to get the, the clay to harden to, to a, a, a vase that way they could use. Many of those, as a fire would, would rise and those air bubbles would expand, would explode. And we heard of the, you know, where Judas was purchased, that potter's field. Why was it called a potter's field? What was probably scattered full of shards of clay pots that were broken and were, or, or busted or had, had exploded in the kiln. And that ground was no longer able to be used for cultivating plants or to be plowed because of the number of shards of clay that, are, that were there. I was amazed when I visited Israel over 10 years ago that everywhere you go, you walk in Israel, there are just clay pots, fragments almost everywhere. You walk because of the, 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 the many pots they needed at those times to use. But there were limits, and they are fragile. Of course, they're perishable. Uh, those clay pot fragments that I f- would find in Israel weren't worth anything. <laughs> they were just trash, people left behind. Wonderful that God has chosen us, even though we are not always as worthwhile as we ought to be. God still cares for us. And woe to him who strives with him who formed him. God wants us to understand that we are the weaker. He is the stronger. So our vessels, we may be weak, we may be fragile, we may be perishable. But God has a design for us. We see the designer of the jars. We're the product of God's hand. And it's a a personal design. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou art potter. And we all are the work of thy hands. Things that we make with our hands are things that we treasure I still have in my treasure box of my life as a kid, down in my basement of my house, a clay figurine that I made when I was in sixth grade. I have kept it. It's still there in my box. I could pull it out if I wanted to look at it. It's ugly. It's really awful. But I made it. It was mine. I had my fingerprints all over it. Uh, And I, 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 I treasured it as mine. Uh, my grandkids, when I, I sent them back their, their finished product that they had fit, made here and, and I had them burned later, and I sent them to them. They're, they still have them on their dressers as, as something special that they did because they, they did it with their own hands. Well, we are the product of God's hands. God has made us with His own hands and He treasures us. And He's willing to put His treasure inside of us. Now, the Bible also tells us in Lamentations chapter 4, verse 2, the precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold, how are they esteemed as earthen pitchers, the work of the hands of the potter. You know, the, some of these Jews were, you know, were rich and they had nice clothes, but Isaiah reminded them, even though you may have rich clothes and you may have lots of gold, the reason why you are profitable to me, the reason why you're valuable, is because I made you. You are the product of my hands. Even Job's friends said this purposely, that you, we are just pinched off of the piece of clay. We're also formed out of clay. So we see God's personal design, but we also see his purposeful design. 
In Jeremiah 18, verse 4, it says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, that seemed good to the potter to make it. Again, it seemed good to the potter to make it. It was the will of, the, of God to make us good. We know that Genesis chapter uh, 1, verse 31, when he made everything, everything he made, he said it was good. It was very good. What God makes is good. Psalm 139, 14 says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every one of us, we are a personal design of God, but we also are a purposeful design. God has brought all of us here in our lives, a particular time of our lives, even in 2020, <laughs> with the, the craziness going on in our world. He brought us here during this time. He wants us to be the vessels of clay for His purpose today, this time of history, not to wait to the future. He has something for us now. Of course, He has something for us in the future as well, but He has something for us now. I think all of us who know Christ as Savior can look back on our lives. Of course, some of you young people can't do this yet. You, know, you don't have a long enough life yet. When you get old like us, you can look back on your lives and you see how God put different things into your life in different places. And I remember uh, as a, a graduate student at Bob Jones University and how I was offered an opportunity to teach English when I wanted to teach Greek. I was a Greek student. I want to teach Greek. And, and but Dr. Salter calls me in and says, you're going to be teaching English, freshman English. That means grading 70 papers every two weeks. And, and, and I, I did not like grading papers. And I, why am I doing it? Why did God, uh, God, you're supposed to give me a graduate assistant in Greek, not in, not in English. Well, I didn't know that when I left that school, I would teach English for four years. I didn't know that my teenagers I'd be dealing with in my youth ministry had to write theses every, every year for our contest they were involved in. And I was able to help them write these papers. And many of them won uh, national championships, big aces on that. You know, I, I didn't know that at that time, but God designed it. And I, so I am very happy to be where I am, wherever I am. Uh, I don't know why God closed the senior center for us for a while. I don't know why that happened. But I'm content that God did it for a purpose, and he has prepared me and this ministry for that time frame. So we are a purposeful design of God, but we are also a providential design. And we, it is God who has power over the clay. I do not make myself I rely upon the care of God. Romans 9, 21 says, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? See, God is sovereign in all of His creation. And we have to come to Him with humble heart, realizing that it is the hand of God that makes us. It is His power over us that, that brings us to the place where we are in our lives we are just nothing more than clay in the hands of a heavenly potter. And while we know that God will deal justly with his creatures, we also do know that he has his own purpose for us. One writer said this, God claims the indisputable right to do as he wills with his own. You know, God hasn't left his authority to anyone else. He keeps it for himself. I am not allowed to take that authority. 
I would call that idolatry, if I make myself my own God. And we're all capable of our own gods. Our, I, our hearts are just idol factories. Uh, we, wanna, uh, we want to be in charge of all the areas of our life. Every once in a while, God has to look at us and say, you know what, you're just clay in my hand. But I have a purposeful, providential design for you. You know, God does not have to explain to me why he didn't make me as smart as Einstein or why he didn't make me as talented as Pavarotti. I I would like to have more talents than I have, but I, I am not the one to question what the potter has designed for me. I am dependent upon his care you see, if God were not sovereign, then, then we could just do our own thing. We would be, have no destiny. We're just clay, earthen vessels, dependent upon the love of God. He is the almighty God. God can make our destiny, but it's our sin that destroys it. Uh, there's a poem written called Chosen Vessel, and it says, A master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf there were many. Which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one, I'm shiny and bright, and and I'm of great value, and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest, and for someone like you, master, gold will be best. The master passed on with no word at all. He looked at the silver urn, narrow and tall. I'll serve you, dear master, I'll pour out your wine, and I'll be at your table, whatever you dine. My lines are so graceful, my carving so true, and my silver will always compliment you. Unheeding, the master passed to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel, I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me cried the gobbler of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my content so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride, and I'm sure you'll be happy in your house to abide. Well, the master came next to the vessel of wood, polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for the fruit and not for the bread. And the master looked down, and he saw a vessel of clay. Empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it to make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf nor the one who is big-mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his constant so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain, earthy vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it with that day, spoke to it kindly. There's work you must do, just pour out to others, as I pour unto you. And even though we are sovereignly made, God has put us into his hands. We still, though, have a responsibility. Responsibility to be made and be allow ourselves to be made what he wants us to be. I'll ask one other question. What kind of vessel can give glory to God? We'll look at the discerning of the jars. And how are the... The best jars, what's, 
in the best jars? What is, how are the best jars made that they can be used? How are they being judged? How are we going to be judged one day on the kind of vessel that we are? Well, we're, first of all, we can either we see the condition of the jars. Are we going to be vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath? Romans 9.23 says, And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Vessels of mercy are just those people who have received the effects of God's mercy, of God's future happiness and glory. A jar of mercy has received the gospel message of repentance from sin and our trust in God alone. And because of our depraved souls, we can only see God through the mercy He has in our lives. Anything that we are that's valuable is because of God's mercy, not our own. But for those who have not received God's mercy, they are instead the vessels of wrath. Romans 9.22 says, What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? See, God did not create, and God does not create something just to destroy it. There will some who will say that you know there will, these vessels of wrath were prepared from you know from eternity past, and so that, that person has no chance of ever receiving the gospel. That's not true, because this verse tells us that he endured with long suffering, waiting for these vessels that which he had placed mercy upon to receive that mercy. But when they refuse to receive God's mercy. They, in a sense, create their own destruction. What does John 3.36 say? He that believes on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. It's not the wrath that God chose to put on that person, but it's the wrath that we choose when we choose to, re- to reject the message of mercy that God has for us. So our question for all of us here is, have we ever received that mercy Has there been a time when we accepted the salvation that God offered freely by faith? And if we have, we are those vessels of mercy that God wants to place His treasures into. If you haven't yet reached that point in your life where you know Christ is your personal Savior securely, choose first His mercy. Ask for His mercy, and He will offer it to you. And you can become a vessel of mercy not one of his wrath. One day God will have to show his wrath upon this world for their sin. And God will have to show his wrath upon individuals for their individual lack of receiving Christ as personal Savior. That's why we send missionaries to Haiti and other places in the world, because they need to know the message, because there is no faith without the Word, and they need the Word to receive that mercy from God. And so we we share the gospel as as vessels of mercy. We, We share the mercy that we have received so that they can receive mercy too. God does not will that everyone should perish. He wills that they receive His Son. We are part of that task to do that. So if you've received God's mercy, you are an earthen vessel under mercy. But you should also be one. Let me skip over this verse here. We also are seeing the compliance of the jars. Are we pliable or are we stubborn? 
Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art the father, and we are the clay, and thou art the potter, and we are the work of thy hands. Again, for clay to be the work of the hands of God, it, it must be soft and pliable and moldable. Our spiritual success is linked to our willingness to be molded in God's hands. If we are recognizing that God is a God of mercy who loves us, certainly we would allow ourselves to be placed into His hands, to be made into whatever He chooses. Every young person that I've, I've dealt with in my life, I have to ask them one of two questions. One question is, first of all, do you know Christ as your Savior? Secondly, have you given your body as a living sacrifice to Christ? Are you moldable in His hands? Because we are, are not created moldable. <laughs> we are not born moldable. We are born stubborn. <laughs> we are stubborn people. We have a depraved nature. The Old Testament speaks much of it. Isaiah 29, 16 says, Surely your, your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed at the potter's clay. Uh, our world is an upside down world, is it not? Uh, what should be on top, which is, is God, what should be on the you know, highest should be God, and man should be low. Instead, we, we, we put man high and God low. And the very same thing that he was talking about here in this verse. Turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as a potter's clay. For, for shall the work say to him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing formed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? I remember working with clay as a kid in, in art class. And, uh, made, I made that one little thing I told you. I, I used to have it saved in my, in my basement. Or when I was working on my daughter's uh, little clay wheel, uh, it was fun to do. I was trying to get, to get the right skill to make those things work. But I don't remember the clay looking at me and saying, Stop it! I don't want to be a ball! I want to be a unicorn, or I want to be a dinosaur, or I, I want to be something else. Make me into something wonderful. I don't just want to be a ball. I don't remember the clay saying that to me. I don't recall that happening. If it did, I would have run out the room. I would have probably you know, been right scared, or I was out of my mind. You know, the clay does not speak to the potter and tell them what to do. Well, we do, don't we? You know, God, you, you didn't make me quite right. Uh, you sh you, there's, a, there's a talent you missed. I, I'm not as good looking as I, sh I think I should be. I should have more hair. <laughs> or I, I should have, you know, I should be taller or shorter or, or, or wider or thinner. Or, you know, don't we all have those? Go through, we go through, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm sorry you teenagers are here. You know, that's a terrible time to go through. Everything changes and, and never comes out quite right. You know, I, I remember... You know, I used to have longer hair, really did. And I had a comb over. Uh, but I remember as a seventh grader when my, I decided to grow my hair out. I had a buzz cut like this until I was in seventh grade. And, and um, I decided to grow my hair out. My hair is so stiff and so spiky. That it, takes, it has to be this long before it lays over. It's like, it's like an afro otherwise. And it took me a long, and I remember my seventh grade school photo which I have burned. <laughs> no one will ever see that seventh grade 
school book photo. There's, there's probably a school book out there somewhere. I, um, or I, if I find it, I will burn it. Uh, because my hair wasn't quite out right yet, and it wasn't long enough layover, and it was like, you know, it was terrible. And I, my face probably, I knew the picture would turn out bad, so my face was just as awful as, as, as my hair. Because things are changing, and I, I didn't like that picture. I want to get rid of it. Uh, it was a, a, a stubborn <laughs> hair that I had. I wouldn't work right. Uh, uh, when I finally decided to cut my hair short again, uh, about seven or eight years ago, uh, it took me a long time not to f- stop feeling for my comb in my pocket. Uh, there always, was always a comb there to make sure it was always straight and right. And finally got tired of all that. But we're not, we, 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 don't, we like to complain about how we look and where we, what, what, we, what God has planned for us. And, uh, we don't think that God's timing is quite right. I want to get married now, not later. And I want to have this job now, not later. And I want to do this now, and not later. I don't want to have to wait. But God's timing is always perfect. and We have to wait sometimes. So we can't be stubborn. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 45, verse 9 says, Woe unto him that striveth with his Maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou or thy work? He hath no hands, or he didn't put handles on me. Again, we don't see the pots asking for handles. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 9.20. He says, But but nay, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? So the question is, are we moldable? Or are we set in our ways? Are we resisting what God is doing in our lives right now? Or are we willing to, to follow God's leading of His Holy Spirit? Uh, Ron Hamilton wrote a song in one of his cantatas entitled, I Ain't Never Done It That Away Before. And one of the main words in the song says, If it's new, it'll never do. <laughs> Uh, we don't like things to change. We like things to stay the way they were. Uh, we have to realize that sometimes change is good. In fact, change is necessary. What is new is not always evil. Uh, we have to be very careful. We're scriptural in what we do. But we need to be jars of clay that are willing to be changed into what God wants to be changed us into. Whether we like it, or that's the change we want or not. Many of us, I'm sure all of us, have, have had ideas in our head of things you want to do in the future or, or what we want to be. or what, If I could only have done this or been there, uh, would my life have been different? Well, those are questions we don't need to ask. Those are just jars of clay. And one day we will be judged. But we'll be judged upon whether we are jars of mercy or whether we're pliable and not stubborn. But vessels will also be judged by their commendation. We want to be vessels of honor, not vessels of dishonor. Romans chapter 9, verse 21 says, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make a vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? The same bowl that I could use as a beautiful vase to put flowers in, I could take that same clay and turn it into a spittoon. As if the will of the potter. 
Thankfully, God has made us into vessels of honor, and we can live lives that cause us to be vessels of honor. How do we do that? Well, 2 Timothy 2.21 says, Therefore, if, anyone cleanse, if, anyone, if, if man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. When you have special guests, like we had a wedding yesterday, you, know, you put out the nice stuff. You put out the good china. Uh, if, if you were to go out to a, a, an antique dealer here and buy a really nice vase, because they call them vases, they're nice. And you take that vase and you put it on a very important place in your house, a way that where the kids can't touch it and the grandkids can't get to it. And, and you, you guard it and you make sure that it stays safe there because it's a valuable vase. We too, God has made us, wants us to be valuable and honorable by how we live. God desires us, to, wants us to be clean. He wants us to be ready and prepared for that service which he has designed for us to be. I worked for a gentleman during my college years. And we worked as, as painters and roofers. I enjoyed that work, trying to earn money for college. But as I got to know this man who was a Christian, often he told me, you know, when I was your age, God called me to preach, and I didn't go. What would my life have been if I had given in and given God my life at that time? If I had obeyed Him, had made my life clean and ready to be used, what God had called me to be, would I be here in the middle of the day putting a roof on a hothouse? I could have been out preaching the gospel. I could have been out ministering to people. How my life would have been different had I obeyed the Lord. I Hopefully that's not something you would ever have to say in your life, that you regret a decision made in the past where I wasn't clean, I wasn't ready, I wasn't prepared, and I missed what God intended for me to be and become. I didn't get to be that vessel of honor that He had desired me to be. Because I chose my own way instead of God's way. You see, there is another kind of honor, another kind of pot. It's a vessel unto dishonor. Romans 9.21 says, Hath not the potter power the clay, the same lump, one vessel in honor, another unto dishonor? See, a, a jar or a pot that refuses to purge itself from sin, and it surrounds itself with other dishonorable pots, one day will be broken and dirty and chipped and thrown in the ground and left for men to stand upon and spread upon. Hosea chapter 8 verse 8 says, Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein there is no pleasure or a useless pot. I don't think any one of us wants to be useless all of us would like to be useful. I remember a little kids program my kids used to watch and how they were teaching to be a, to be a useful little engine. Was that, was that Thomas the Train, I guess? Be a useful engine. That was the goal, be a useful engine. Well, that's the goal for us too, to be useful in the hands of our Lord. We are known by the people that we are, we are around. And because of sin and rebellion against the potter, we may become useless and dirty. 
that God could not take pleasure in. Now, I, I like to take pleasure in the things that I create. But if the things I create rot or turn or get broken, then I take that thing and I, I'll put it in the trash can. It's no longer useful for me. Or I put it in a box where I, well, I'll never, maybe never see it again. God doesn't want us to be that way. God designed us purposefully so we could be used. But we have to be pliable. We have to be clean. As you mentioned in our next point, the cleanliness of the jars. God wants us to be clean. Isaiah 66 verse 20 talks about the, the people of Israel were to bring their meal offering to the Lord. And it says, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel unto the house of the Lord. Meal brought in a dirty vessel would not do. There's a story of Elijah. Elijah I'm sorry. He, he went to go heal the water in a particular place. He took a clean bowl and put salt in it. Didn't take any old bowl. He used a clean bowl. And if we're going to serve others, I'm sure when you put out the plates at your house for guests, you don't tell, oh, by the way, scratch off that, that, that was egg from yesterday. Take that off. You know, if you don't, you don't, if you don't want egg, just, just scratch that off the plate. You'll be okay. You don't do that to someone else. You present them a clean plate and, and clean dish, and especially today, we want it sanitized. We want it, you know, COVID-free and all these things. You know, we're doing our, our, our vacation Bible school refreshments very different. <laughs> we're going to be having prepackaged food we pass to them. You know? uh, so we're not touching anything. Uh, we have to do things differently now. But we need to present to the Lord something that's clean. That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. The word sanctification means to be clean, to be cleansed. D.O. Moody once said, God doesn't seek for golden vessels, and He doesn't ask for silver ones, but He must have clean ones. We are created for His glory. 2 Timothy 2.19 tells us that we, those who name the name of the Lord should depart from iniquity. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lusts. Just as we want clean plates to eat off of, God wants to use clean plates to use for His purposes. So we don't want to be unclean. Do you know what men who had had leprosy had to say when they were uh, people would approach them? Unclean, unclean, stay away. We're unclean. We don't want you to have the disease that we have. Stay away. Do you know what it takes to be unclean, though? One of the jokes in one of our little skits for our vacation Bible school, I asked one of my teens to be a part of a sailor, and I asked the question, what's one of the rules for our vacation Bible school? He says, well, don't suck your toes after you play in the mud. That's a nice rule to have. Now, you wouldn't want to lick your toes if you've been squashing in the mud. That doesn't make sense. That's a good rule to have in your life. You should always teach your kids that. Uh, but, you know, we need to understand that cleanliness is an important part of our life. Uh, God wants us to be a, not an unclean vessel, but a vessel that does nothing is something that becomes dirty. If you put a vase on a shelf, what happens to it? 
collects dust. If you're not using it and washing it and using it and washing it, that vessel just gets more dust and more dust and more dust and more dust and eventually becomes useless, worthless. That's why in our lives, we just can't sit and live our lives and just kind of plateau out in our Christian life. I don't need to read the Word of God anymore. I don't need to pray as much anymore. I did that. I've grown up to this amount. I can just stabilize myself here. Well, the reality is either we're growing or we're shrinking. Either we're cleansing ourselves or we're getting dirtier. So just doing nothing would cause us to be unclean. Of course, the most horrible type of uncleanliness is the type that Jesus mentioned from time to time when he was on this earth. He would come across a demon-possessed person. He would say, in that person there is an unclean spirit. If we do not allow the Holy Spirit in our lives to fill us and to cleanse us, and we refuse that Holy Spirit and reject him, we may be filled with an unclean spirit. Look what's happening in many of our cities today. I can't think that there's not a demonic presence in some of these people and what they're doing to destroy our country. Where does all this, these ideas come from? And they're, they're burning Bibles instead of erecting statues to our country. Why are they doing that? Well, maybe they have received an unclean spirit. I know in Haiti, it's, uh, demon, demonism is, is a terrible plague there. Voodoo and all the things going on with it. You go to a foreign country and you see some of the, the idols that they've, they've created in their foreign countries. We don't see them here in America like they do there. The, the spirit of Satan is, is there. But it's because they have refused to have their hearts filled with the Holy Spirit that they have allowed in a different spirit. So we need to be very careful. Of course, we who know Christ as personal Savior will never have that problem. We need to warn those who do not know Christ that they are in a, a dangerous place. But we who do know Christ as Savior just can't stabilize our life. We just need to continue to cleanse our lives daily. That's why it says in Psalm 119.9, Where all shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed constantly. There was a constant presence there by taking heed there to according to thy word to be a vessel of God he wants to place his treasure in there must be constant action of cleaning and heeding his word and 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 confession to maintain our lives as lives that God can place his treasure in we can't get lazy and lackadaisical and just kind of kind of coast any dead fish can swim downstream God wants us to be alive and moving towards him. But one finally thing. We not only are to be, have a, know our condition and compliance and commendation and cleanliness, we have a completeness. God wants us to be whole as vessels of honor. Philippians 1.10, it says, That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. And the key word is that word sincere. The word sincere in the Greek actually means without wax. Now, why would they use the word without wax for a word that meant sincere? Well, in clay pots, if you were a potter 
and you needed to sell these pots to make money. And one of your pots you put into the kiln came out with a slight crack in it. You could take wax and fill that crack with wax and then paint over it, and no one would know that that pot was cracked. Unless you did what most, back in those days, what smart shoppers would do. They would take that pot and put it up to the sun. And when you put it through the sun, that crack would show through because the wax would allow the sun through. Or you would take a, 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 in a dark room and put a, put a lamp inside of that pot and, and see if you could see a, a crack coming out through that light. The light would reveal the crack or the damage to that pot. And you, you don't want to buy a cracked one because as soon as you heat it up, you know, it will break completely. So you had to be a smart shopper. Like we all, you know, Most of us aren't very smart shoppers today. We, we buy things that break. In fact, it's hard to buy anything that doesn't break. We try to do our research and try to figure out what's the best thing to buy, but we, even we, the best thing we buy is break. But God wants us to know that he wants us to be pure without wax. He doesn't want us in our lives to be hypocritical, that have cracks that we have tried to hide that no one will see. Now, all of us have things we like to hide. We use makeup for those, <laughs> and we use clothes for those to hide some things that we don't want other people to see about our lives. But we know that there is someone whom we cannot hide our cracks from, who is always seeing us exactly as we are. We cannot hide from him. So if we are whole, wholly his, we don't have to worry about hypocrisy. We don't have to worry about cracks because we're whole. Because we don't want to be broken. Because God may have to, in judgment, break us if we're not right with him. David said in Psalm 2, verse 9, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Talking about those who were governments that rebelled against God. That God would have to break them. So they would not be proud. It's because of our sin. Even the psalmist said in Psalm 31, 12, he talked about himself, as I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. There were times in David's life when he, because of sin in his life, became a broken vessel. A vessel that God at that time could not use. He allowed his life to crack. And though he tried to hide the sin that, that no one else could see, but God could see it. God wants us to be those whole pots, uncracked, unbroken. But if we choose not to be a whole one, God may make it worse. <laughs> that crack could become a destroyed pot, one that's useless. May have to put on a shelf. A broken vessel is unusable. And we found them all over the place in Israel when I was there. And a potter's field becomes unusable because of the shards of clay that are there. So we as jars need to be discerned as con- by our condition, our compliance, our commendation, our cleanliness, and our completeness. But one last thing, our calling. Those of us who were here in Sunday school this morning, we were studying the life of Paul in our, in our vacation Bible school. 
And our lesson today was about Saul, how he became Paul there on the road to Damascus. And how as he was, he was blinded and it was, as Ananias came to him, Ananias came to him and said, hey, we, we, God wants you to be a complete or to be a chosen vessel. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, it says, But the Lord said to him, this is speaking through Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. It's interesting that in the Webster's Dictionary in 1828, this was the definition of vessel. Ministers of the gospel, as appointed to bear the glad news of salvation to others. We should put it back in our dictionary, shouldn't we? If we are vessels, chosen vessels, we are ministers of God to take the grace and what we have received from God and to share it with others. We, weren't, we were chosen before the foundation of the world, but not just for salvation. He also chose us to serve Him. I almost joked with Noah and Rachel yesterday. I said, now, um, don't forget about serving in Vacation Bible School this week. You were married to serve God, right? I didn't do that, but I, I always did. We, too, have been brought together to serve Because if we are not serving, we may be cast away. I believe one of Paul's worst fears was that he would retrograde back to what he had been before and that God would not use him. When Acts, again, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he says, But I keep under my body. I I bring it under subjection. I, I discipline myself. Why is he disciplining himself so much? Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away or be disqualified. He did not want sin to enter his life that would cause God to say, I can't use you anymore. I'm going to put you on a shelf and let somebody else take your place. I didn't mind being a substitute in basketball. I didn't mind taking somebody else's place on the ball field so I could take their place and play in their place. But that person that had to go sit on the bench when I took their place wasn't very happy because they, had, they got put on the bench when I went in to sub for them. And I didn't like when someone had to sub in for me. <laughs> I, I wanted to play. Man, I wanted to be the only to score more points. Sometimes God has to put us on the shelf. If we're not right with him, God will have to disqualify us. So are we in a condition of mercy? Are we compliant? Are we commendable? Are we clean? Are we complete and chosen by God? Maybe you saw yourself as not one of those vessels as we close today. Look at the decision of the jars. We have a decision to make in our lives. Are we going to be the jar that God wants us to be? What do you need to be to be used of God? First of all, we need to be redeemed. 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. For much you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, that perfect lamb of God who, who died in our place to redeem us, to bring us, allow us to be a vessel unto honor. We did not redeem ourselves. And it wasn't with any of our traditions or with any, any, anything we, we were to purchase with gold or silver. God in his gift to us gave us everlasting life by the faith in his Son. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us, he might redeem us 
from all iniquity and purify in himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God did not just redeem us to just live our lives the way we wanted to. He redeemed us from our sin that we were in, that we needed to separate ourselves from. So the question is, are you bound for heaven? Are you a vessel of mercy? Are you a vessel that God has been redeemed? You see, we are, I, I'm one of those vessels that God has redeemed, but I'm, I'm not where I should be. Maybe it's because you're broken and need to be remade. Jeremiah said that we read this verse before, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. I, I, I had that happen when I was trying to do that clay, spin the wrong way, and all of a sudden that, that beautiful bowl I was making turned into a lump of ugly stuff. I had to put it in a ball again, and I had to put it start all over again and make it into something else. The same way that God may have to do to our lives. We're so thankful that when we do get off the shelf or we get off of the course that God has for us, that He is willing to remake us into what He wants us to be. God is not happy for us to be on the shelf. God does not want us to be on the shelf. He wants us to be useful. And He's willing to remake us. So He made it again, another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. There's a story of a lady who went to a, a, a beautiful museum, and, and there in this museum was this Chinese Ming vase. Well, you could tell it had been broken into many pieces. But they had taken the pieces, and instead of just putting glue and leaving cracks, they actually filled all of the cracks with silver so that the pot actually became more beautiful after it was repaired than it was before, because all the cracks were now filled with silver. And God can do that to us too. He can take all the cracks we make in our lives and He can remake us into something better than what we were before if we're willing to submit and be pliable in His hands. But like I said before, we can't just sit and be stable. We have to be renewed also day by day. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Every day we must enter the word of God and allow it to transform us into something new every day. We, there is something new about Christ we can learn every day. None of us can ever come to the Bible and say, well, I've, I've already learned it all, I don't need any more. I know enough about Christ. Now, Christ, the knowledge of Christ, Paul tells us, is unmeasurable. You can never reach the end. There's always something else to learn. I'm sure you know, as we're getting older, we think of retirement. Retirement means sitting in the sofa with my glass tea beside me, listening to Fox News. No, no. <laughs> Retirement. I, I get to rest and do nothing. But as you know, you know that when you retire, all of a sudden you become you get a new boss, and you know you got honeydew list to do. You got to do this and honeydew this and honeydew that and honeydew this. And uh, and I, I can't even fathom the idea of retirement. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know how, how? Why would God want someone He has created and is filled with His His Spirit and His Word ever want them to retire? There's always something to do. There's always a soul that needs encouragement. I may not be able to, you know, to be what I am now. I'm sure there'll be days when I'll be in a nursing home and I'll be, somebody will, will be rubbing my chin while the drill is coming down. 
day will come if Gordon doesn't come back. But I can still say thank you to the person who, who's dipping my drool. There's always someone I can encourage. You know, my, my dad is a great example of it. He's 90, 88 this last week. And uh, you know, my mother's in a nursing home and, and can't be contacted because of the COVID. And it's discouraging for him not to be able to be near the person he has been with for 60 years. Uh, but every time I call him, he's just an encouragement to me. Uh, he's happy and he's joy in the Lord. And, uh, uh, he could be down on the mouth, but he's not. And he's, uh, he's, he's always been an optimistic person. And I, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm like that in some respects. But God wants us to be renewed day by day by day. There's, there's something new. There's a new joy we can learn every day. There's a new truth we can, we can apply to our lives every day. God wants us to be renewed so that every day we are prepared when God is ready to fill us with his treasure that we can spread to others. But we have to be ready. We have to be clean. There's a poem about vessel and honor. It says this, and we'll close. In this great house, there are vessels, some of wood and some of clay. There are great ones and small ones. You can choose the ones you may, some for service, some for beauty. Others bear refreshing wine. Lord, I care not how you use me. Please just hear this prayer of mine. Lord, my vessel is empty. It's purged from dross and sin. By your precious blood on Calvary, it has cleansed me now within Though unworthy of your service, yet your grace is mine today. So I offer you my vessel for you to use. This I pray. Make me a vessel unto honor. The fame of this world I refuse. Sanctify me, cleanse me, and fill me. Meet for my master's use. We all know the hymn. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Let us be those kind of vessels that God can use. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have seen fit to use this vessel of clay and how that you see fit to use every one of us as your vessels of clay. We're just earth but you have made us valuable by what you have placed inside of us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your word. You've given us your joy. You've given us eternal life. But Lord, you didn't give it to us just for it to sit there. You want it to be used. You want us to share it. I pray that we will be those vessels that will share your news so that we won't get the glory, but you will as it changes the lives of our friends to make them like you too. And we pray that you'll just constantly use our lives in the way that you have us to be used so we can be those vessels that are honorable and ready for service. And we'll pray these things in your name. Amen.